Nicole was your typical hopeless romantic, moonlighting as a fanfiction writer. Claudia was a hard-headed activist with a YouTube channel and the mysterious past. When Nicole hit a deep funk in her writing, Claudia suggests one of her hidden passions, romance novels. Now the two have fallen into a world of endless handsome hunks, doe-eyed damsels, and lascivious lovers. It is now their sacred duty to rank these novels on three criteria. Their steaminess. I had to fan myself off. Their dreaminess. She's not missing anything without him, but he makes her life better. And their meaniness. Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie eating contest. That's not why he left me. <laughs> Join our heroines every other week as they overcome unhealthy relationship archetypes, thesaurus abusing authors, and anatomical inaccuracies to prove that love can conquer all on the Three Little Words Podcast, only on the Moonshot Network. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your host, Shane. And we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing and almost finishing, but not quite, The Sword of Summer. How are you doing today, Jane? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I have handed in all of my, my papers that I needed for this semester, so I am a weight has been lifted from my brain. I I feel like I feel like I'm back to having an extra life to play around with. Like I'll turn into an Einhaya when I die. Don't don't push it, you know. But you know, <laughs> live yo live yiv yolt. You know, you only live twice, right? Exactly, exactly. How are you, Jacqueline? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's the it's the holiday season, so booby doo and zippity zop. Don't forget to record your pod. Things are a bit busy, so that's why this is coming out a day late. So I'm sorry about that to the listeners. I'm, I'm not apologizing to you jane you're fine with it uh <laughs> i am fine with it uh no I'll, I'll apologize to you i'm sorry jane that's <laughs> please to apologize it's fine um and i'm also apologizing for the percy jackson tv show coming out <laughs> this is this is a, a big swing that you're taking for a show that you haven't watched yet <laughs> I'm apologizing because I haven't watched it yet, and we haven't watched it. I mean, you've watched it, actually. Uh, I did watch the first two episodes, but uh, we will not be discussing them until two weeks from now, because we're going to finish off the sort of summer, and then we are going to shift to uh, like just doing the, the TV show for a couple of weeks, along with a special guest. Yeah, that's right. We're going to have a special guest, and that will be very nice. It's just like we've done for all our live-action adaptations before, except for the musical, because we forgot. Um <laughs> uh it's, it's so that's our plan there we will have a, a few weeks of coverage of that and then we'll get to the second book in the magnus chase grandma said chronicles that's not what they, they are uh the magnus see, chase see? this is what fucking happens <laughs> it's hard uh the magnus chase series which is called the ship of, is it ship of the dead or hammer of thor that's the second one it might be hammer of thor that would make sense considering what happens in this book yeah it's hammer of thor okay um, but we have to finish this book before we can get to any of that. I know you may be asking yourself, Jacqueline and Jane and special guest, you're going to be a few weeks behind the TV show. How will you go about covering it since you won't be doing it week to week? And that is an excellent question. That's a great question. You'll find out. 
Um, <laughs> we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, <laughs> chapter 65. I hate this part. Fenris Wolf is really, you know, is fucking everyone up. However, Blitz is saved by his armored ascot from being, you know, totally cutthroat. And Magnus is saved by Sam, finally transforming into a lion to face off with her brother. Magnus realizes that his place isn't on the battlefield, you know, while everyone else is on the battlefield helping out. He's meant to bring the summer. So he takes Jack and heals the whole place, bringing the light of summer into this cold, wintry, devastated area, uh, healing a lot of people, and um, also using Jack to tie the Anscoti rope around Fenris Wolf. Jack uses his power and speed to quickly tie up and muzzle Fenris Wolf, binding him back to the aisle. Unfortunately, not everything is good because the battle has still been taking place outside of their sort of field of protection and the giants haven't been going down without a fight. Halfborn is half dead and Sert is bringing down the sword and Ganilla. She locks eyes with Magnus and gives him a look to tell him to make her death count. Chapter 66, Sacrifices. Ganilla is dead and Magnus is kind of broken by it. He looks over the battlefield strewn with the dead dying and defenseless and decides that the battle is over. He imagines his mom by his side and uses Jack to open a portal back into Muspelheim, land of fire giants, and declares the Isle of Heather ground consecrated by Frey, sending Sir back to where he came from. Together, the living, Magnus, TJ, Mallory, and X the half-troll, carry the fallen Valkyries while the injured stumble along behind them to the shore. Chapter 67. One more for a friend. TJ summons a fray boat onto the water, a courtesy vehicle that will transport them back to the Hotel Valhalla. Sam mourns the dead Valkyries, Margaret and Irene, who were never very nice to her at all, but were people who she worked with. Uh, Magnus and Mallory... <laughs> Like, you know, in a sad way, Magnus and Mallory Keen settle around half-born Gunderson, who's on the verge of death. Mallory and him do some shaky banter, but, you know, they're flirting a little bit. It's sad because he's almost dying. While Magnus feels out just how much he can heal, but he'll need Jack's power to do it all. It's too much for him on his own. And as soon as he holds the sword again, that might be it for him. But he does it anyway. All of his power leaves him and he passes out and then wakes up in a beautiful meadow. Chapter 68. Don't be a no-bro, bro. Well, Magnus hasn't quite died, but he is having another conversation with a god. And this time, it's Frey. He's meeting his father for the first time and immediately hugs him, comforted by his familiar presence. Frey tells him that both him and Halfborn will live and that Magnus has actually changed things quite significantly. He's the last hope for a summer before the long winter of Ragnarok. Jack isn't too happy to see the guy who gave him up forever for a girl, but they snark a bit and get over it. Uh, Frey tells Magnus his mother would be proud of him and that he's done a good job and that he should seek out Annabeth for help. In an instant, Magnus is back on the ship, next to Halfborn, healing and awake, and they've docked back in Valhalla, ready for their punishment in the feast hall. Chapter 69. Nice. Oh, so that's who Fenris smelled in Chapter 63. After being slowly marched to the feast hall, Magnus and Sam explain the events of their journey. The Thanes contemplate their story and determine that though they acted as great heroes, they also acted against loyalty to Valhalla, which is of course the most important thing, and declare they must break to decide, lest, as they always say, Odin wishes to intercede. And just then, X the half-troll stands up and declares that Odin does indeed wish to intercede, as the mask of his appearance falls away to reveal the king god himself. 
Chapter 70. We are subjected to the PowerPoint of Doom. After a few drinks, Odin settles in for a godly info dump. He tells the whole feast hall about how he disguised himself as X to watch over and guide his chosen heroes, then goes through them one by one, praising their heroism and also giving them some offers. Sam, for instance, uh, is given the offer to be reinstated as a Valkyrie or become Odin's secret agent. And she chooses the more dangerous one to sort of restore her reputation in the eyes of her fellows. Magnus gets to keep being an in her eye, although he's given the choice to either go to Falkvanger or uh, become a human again. He simply decides to stay where his friends are. And the seven heroes, Magnus, Sam, Blitz, Hearthstone, TJ, Halfborn, and Mallory, are given Odin's special passage, declared that they are allowed to go through any of the nine worlds, and wherever they go, they, are, they will serve the will of Asgard. So, Jane, what do you think of these chapters? Uh, Jacqueline, is it is it possible for a set of chapters to simultaneously be like on a, a kind of micro blow to blow level? Definitely one of the best finales in a Rick Ryden book that we've read for a while, and also simultaneously kind of fuck up everything about the world building that you liked. I think it might be possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think these chapters might be proof of that. I. I want to hash this out. I want to see if it's really done that. I want to hear your what, argument. What did you think of these? I liked them. I did find it very funny that you were completely right. Odin did come in and give a, you know, godly info dump, as you said. <laughs> uh, and that was kind of your joke. Like, oh, I hope that doesn't happen. Like, sarcastic answer as to what would happen at the end. Yep, sure was. <laughs> uh, so, does that bode well? I'm not sure. I do think that the execution was a bit better than it could have been. I do listen. I I don't like what's going on in the broad strokes here, but also Odin being like a shitty TED Talk guy and everyone hating that is very funny. Yes, that is, well, that's funny, and I love that he was X the whole time. Actually, that's pretty good. I also I, I another little paradox that could go as an ingredient in a rope in these chapters um, is that simultaneously, I'm glad that the chapter title reminded me of Fenris Wolf smelling someone because I completely forgotten about that. Uh, also, I hate how messy these chapter titles are getting. This needs to stop. It's really not... <sighs> I think Rick Riordan has done the two he can do. He mm -hmm. one, one incredibly egregious reference to Heroes of Olympus and one like self-referential sort... It's interesting because in past we've had like, okay, the Canes are recording this, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and in the first one it's like rick riordan himself is writing them right he's yeah i think that it's all three books as he like writes up their transcripts right yeah and that that's sort of what's going on in the first book series too although that's a bit more of a sort of like conception you get from reading like the half-blood diaries or whatever mm -hmm. um this doesn't have that same kind of framing device and so chapter titles are a lot more like they're not set in Magnus' perspective exactly the way that past ones were. Like it's it's yeah. lightning thiefy in that you know we have things like I did not ask for biceps. Uh, I hate signing my own death warrant. It's all first person perspective, but it mm -hmm. also th things like oh so that's who Fenris smelled in chapter sixty three. I get it. I don't necessarily think it's it doesn't it doesn't really fit it doesn't mesh with that sort of first person perspective that they others seem to be coming from yeah it's magnus is not fucking deadpool right i 
he doesn't seem like the kind of character who is able to poke his head out of the the narrative and i reference deadpool because this was written in 2015 and that was kind of the the, the exemplar of that kind of character was at the time yeah so i, I wonder if rick Ryden watched deadpool it was, it was actually when did that come out 2016 okay so the the second option is much worse which is that i think that rick Ryden was watching rick and morty and that's where <laughs> he got this from i i don't think we have to look that far for just this is the culture right this is sort of the marvel uh-huh. movie bit this is yeah. there, there's a lot of it um but the fact that it shares dna with you know the rick and morty's and deadpools of the world doesn't speak well to it <laughs> It's not using, it's using acknowledgement that it's a story as like a little nudge wink and not using that for anything clever beyond that. That's true. Yeah. Should we, do you want to hash out your argument right now or should we talk about some things we like first? I think we can talk about, there, there's some good stuff in these chapters. We can talk about some stuff that we liked. Yeah. I like Magnus finally like getting a conception of like what he is, what his role is and it being, he's the healer. Yeah, I was, we've had a bunch of talk about Magnus being like, oh, maybe he's not a warrior. Maybe he's meant to be something different from that. And I was kind of worried that um, that was like an interesting concept that Rick wouldn't really have the imagination to pull off. Because uh-huh. I think like his, his protagonists up until now have exclusively been fighters. Uh, so I was I was pleasantly surprised that he like actually brings across in a really like evocative way like you know this is this is what magnus's whole deal is and he finds a clever way to work it into the finale anyway and it really works with his character because you can make the argument like oh well he has the big powerful sword that kills anything so of course he's a warrior magnus mm-hmm. is not doing the killing there jack is jack has become a character for that purpose yeah um, it, what magnus does is he shares the burden <laughs> and sharing the burden is sort of what this whole thing is about <laughs> Yeah, like absolutely. That. It's like to go back to this kind of being uh, about Magnus, like surviving on like the supernatural streets at this point, is that like the only way that he can survive that is to is to like you know find a little community and they all help each other out. And I I like that he has just come into this role. I lo- I I do really enjoy him bringing the summer and that whole idea of like he's yeah. he's not stopping Ragnarok, right? That was kind of our worry. He's not ending ragnarok he's making life better for everyone while he can yeah i will we'll get into what these chapters have to say about uh loki a little bit later but he's kind of doing the loki thing where he's not changing the broad strokes but he's able to shift around enough of the details to at least make make things better in the here and now and i think that if you look like listen back to our episodes we've had we've gone back and forth on whether or not that feels like substantive right Mm -hmm. um like whether it feels like that's you know dooming us to fate or you know losing losing any like sense of change uh but i i do think that this works effectively that mag like frey's conversation with magnus makes him seem important uh and Mm -hmm. not important in the way that like you have to stop uh this horrible god from destroying the world but important in the way that you have to try you you what's the fucking quote everyone shares uh like you remember that you can't help everyone remember that you have to try uh i don't know what you're on about there's some quote about that but the magnus's ultimate goal isn't to destroy some monsters to help people right yeah i I like that a lot rick riordan is doing some good breaking away work yeah again especially after the end of heroes of olympus this is very refreshing to read when that I mean, this was part of what I was worried about, was it felt like Rick didn't have the imagination for anything except a boss fight with Gaia. 
and I'm glad that that's not the case here. Especially with how the fight with Cert gets just ended by that. Mm-hmm. Like, Cert is simply banished back to Muspelheim. Yeah, and he'll fucking come back and he'll get Jack someday. But not now. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, things that are better than the finales from Heroes of Olympus, uh, there was some deaths in this one. There was even the death of a character who we know and kind of liked to raise the stakes. Yeah. Rest in peace, Ganella, our favorite character. Um, Rest in peace, Ganella. Kind of weird that we never got any kind of resolution one way or the other on you being racist, but whatever. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> she. I love Ganella's death, actually. Mm-hmm. No, it's a good death. It's. It's so fast because we aren't. We were in that battle, right? We mm-hmm. we we're basically stumbling back into that battle at the end, um, because again, Rick Riordan here is de-emphasizing like war and conflict, um, and so it, we just get to see the aftermath of it, which is Ganella fucking dies and says, you know, don't don't let my death go to waste, and she's not like, she hasn't like gone over to Magnus's side by the end. She still like kind of hates him when she's giving him this look. Yeah, right. I'm, Magnus even says, "I don't know why it broke me. I didn't even particularly like Gunilla." Yes, I I love that he said like that. Is it just a devastating way to open a chapter? Because like, that's just how it is. Like that. That's one of those things. Like, yeah, that's real. Sometimes someone dies who you don't even like, but you know, it's someone died, and that's sad. It's it's kind of weird that it. Um, I think it ends up being more of a gut punch, or as much of a gut punch as it would have been if they bonded and really liked each other to like really highlight the impact of like this horrible death by being like no it goes beyond just like petty did we like each other exactly yeah it, and it goes beyond what what we're seeing here is an extension of empathy in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh this is mag like firstly magnus has spoken with Ganella and knows where she's coming from even if he doesn't like like her he's mm-hmm. he's gotten a little bit about like what what pain has she had in the past where like what why does she think she's you know doing the best for the world that she is in her own specific way and we know that he knows that sam cares about her living right mm-hmm. uh he he's invested in sam who is invested in ganella and i i like that that is sort of the perspective we get to have and it's not like magnus is like and at the end i really understood her uh <laughs> but he but he is able to be like well that that's awful right well she got stamped into pieces in front of me and you know i knew her enough that she was like humanized in my brain so that's fucked yeah and of course our other favorites margaret and irene sure whatever fuck <laughs> at least the nameless fodder are named here the yeah the the we have some names to put to the fodder they are kind of accessories to the actual like emotional gut punch death so it's it's fine i do like sam doing the whole like basically doing the like when a bunch of corrupt cops get killed it's like oh they may have been kind of scummy and on the take but deep down they were good officers that's literally she is so fucking cop (laughs) it's incredible um like it's it's that exact thing that you're describing she says she she says well they treated me pretty badly but they were good valkyries it's Cyril Khan in the first episode of Andor being like, these, these were officers, these were our comrades, and the police chief just being like, they were fucking scumbags. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, 
I, I don't want to think of Sam as a Cyril Karn, but maybe she has a bit of one. <laughs> she becomes an she she graduates here from cop to CIA agent. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah, that's that is certainly a trajectory for this character to go on. Honestly, I kind of th- like it. <laughs> like I kind of. I mean, it fits a power set at least. It fits her power set. It, like, I think what the reason I like it, not to jump too far ahead, I guess, is that you can tell that Odin is straight up manipulating everybody. Oh, absolutely. Like, he knows that Sam cares more about proving herself. Um, and so is like, well, you could do this thing, which would be great. Or you could, you know, do the hard and dangerous thing, which he, <laughs> ha- he his he literally says, I became X to fucking spy on you all. So, uh, like, here's what I here. I'll use what I know about all of you to, you know, make you sort of play into my hands. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that um, as we go on with Odin, I guess we're still jumping out a bit here, but I. I think, like, the the seeds of him being a manipulative piece of shit here, but, like, the, the overt characterization remains, like, very... Oh, this is this is our bumbling grandfather. So I'm hoping we get at least a little bit of a chink in the armor where we see that, like, oh, no, he's actually kind of a shitbag underneath this. I do hope so, yeah. yeah let, let's, let's... I guess let's... Let, we can have a bit fuller conversation about this when yeah. we get to with the Odin part. We'll get um, Blitz and Hearth don't die. That That makes me happy. It's very happy. The the bit where they're on the boat and sailing away and Magnus observes them like arguing about how, oh, you almost got yourself killed, or you almost got yourself killed. And like they're too exhausted to continue arguing properly, so they just start poking each other is like this is confirmation to me. They're married. They're straight up married. They have to be. This is the uh, behavior of people who've been married for like a decade. No, it really is. God. I I love them. Uh they Half Half I think is kind of emerges in these last few chapters as like my pick for like the funniest character in this book yeah like just the the persistent bit he has where he is like signing behind the gods backs and like talking about them like they're assholes when they don't notice it's just like that never fails to get a giggle out of me it's incredibly funny every time blitz has like three different moments where it's like all right blitz you've like gotten back you, you've gotten your status back you've sort of had your um climb back to the top of the mountain the first mm-hmm. one was you know he gets back to Nedavellar and everyone is like whoa you're awesome we noticed that he was cheating uh yeah. we actually love you now the second was the, the probably the best and easiest moment which was just his ascot saving his life right yeah and the third was later on Odin being like and I also like your armor I'm gonna do give you things Odin being like, I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> is that a thing? That's a that's a thing. You can do that in shops in Mass Effect, and they give you a discount. That's incredibly funny. I'm not sure what takeaway I have from that, other than just like, it's a bit repetitive. I think this is this is really hammering into the audience's head that Blitz is a success now. So because he's going to be sidelined to the next two books. I wonder. Yeah, I that might be true. I'll. You don't think he'll be, you know, our, our, our seven, our seven heroes, you know, are going to get on a boat together and, <laughs> you know, f- fly to, fly to Greece. I mean, God, you know, I Nor- desperately hope not Norway or whatever. Who's rowing that boat? Fucking, I don't it's, know. The, they the, were all dying. Oh, who was rowing that boat? 
Um, yeah. I thought you were saying who would row the boat to Norway. Um, <laughs> I think that it would be maybe they it just like hat. It could have been God. It was probably X. Like all things considered, he didn't seem to come out of the battle particularly injured at all. Yeah, um, I assume Odin just like hid behind a rock and waited for the dust to clear. Uh huh. Wait. Okay. Question for you. Hmm. So X was never a person, right? Seems so. Unless Odin killed and replaced a half troll named X, which I also would not put past him. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think there ever was a half troll named X, or did Odin just like go in and break up a puppy mill to and die to get Sam's attention? I I don't think that it would ever even occur to Odin to break up like a dog fighting ring. So <laughs> maybe he did. Maybe he didn't even like kill and replace X. He just like bumped him to uh, the void or whatever the fuck that's called. <laughs> I think that's like a decently possible thing, honestly. <laughs> So the other thing that I want to talk about is um, Magnus meaning Frey. And I specifically want to talk about this in the context of the other times we've had parents meeting their, the other times we've had children meeting their godly parents for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because this is very it, different. Very differently. Magnus is like, Frey is basically set up to kind of do the Poseidon thing right yeah he's like i understand you may not uh, you know have, have all the feelings right now it's a bit complicated you may not want to you know talk to me but and then magnus just goes in for the bear hug which i i get kinda i also wonder how much of this is like trying to differentiate this from the way that the relationships work with the olympians because i don't feel like this is in some ways, this fits Magnus's character, and in some ways, I think this is a weird response. It's, I understand it from how it's been set up. Like all, we get a few different scenes of you know Magnus, Magnus's mom taking him out into nature and being like, mm-hmm. "This is your dad. Meet him," and sort of like basically acclimating him to the idea that it's comfortable to be around his dad. Yeah. Um, you know, in, like introducing two dogs to each other uh, by you know. <laughs> putting them behind separate doors and letting them sniff uh like it's, it's that kind of thing i yeah i get that i just also think it's really weird that like magnus's line specifically where he's like no it felt like i knew uh frey as well as i knew my mom which i think like really fucking devalues magnus's mom yeah the, like, she was the person who looked after him for 14 years and like changed his diapers when he was a kid and like kept him in school and held down a job to like make sure that he was provided for and Frey was like summer sometimes i guess <laughs> no that's true yeah i mean what what can you say kids are ungrateful little shits <laughs> that's also true i guess i mostly like it because it is so different right i'm all for it being different i just don't think it, the reasons for it being different were set up very well that's fair that's entirely fair uh but how the setup may not be good but i think the 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 punches uh yeah. i I think that this this whole conversation is great. Uh, Magnus, like, assessing his father for the first time and being, okay, I understand sort of, like, what happened with you and my mom and, like, why I am the way I am a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, like, really taking all that in. And also I like that it doesn't, even though that's how it starts, 
he does have the like back away and be like but what are you talking about that you have to have with every god right mm-hmm. but like yeah. you you are speaking above me in a way that is uncomfortable like you are making all these grand statements and you know sweeping you must do this and that's uh that magnus doesn't really vibe with uh-huh uh, yeah there, so there's I, at least that element yeah definitely so it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows in their meeting speaking of shit in this chapter that's not all sunshine and rainbows it's uh-huh. you know how we we made fun of uh rick quite a lot during heroes of olympus for like really emphasizing that jason had blonde hair and blue eyes and it, like, uh-huh. it seemed to come out every fucking time that jason was like around and i just it it's st- because of that it sticks out to me how much the the opening of this chapter is like wow my dad wasn't like the 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 like thor or anything he was like the real cultural conception of a beautiful norseman with his golden blonde hair and bright blue eyes and it's like i i don't know if he's even doing anything deliberate here i think he might just have like some weird fixations that he needs to fucking knock off i think he might i mean i get i get it right i get like oh this guy looks like mcu thor i know i you know um i i don't think we need that at all i don't think that's especially like yeah like again reference things once and then leave it yeah and i get that this is again this is like the especially the culture in 2015 is that like that's what kids think about when they think about like the norse mythology but also, yeah, he's gone to that well a couple of times in this book already. It's a bit frustrating. I think that it's almost kind of lazy. Like, I like you can't just say, like, okay, this guy, he actually looks like uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth. The other guy didn't look like Chris Hemsworth. That's you how you know. They, do you think when they get to this, in, if, they, if the adaptation ever gets up to this, they'll cast Chris Hemsworth as Frey? I think that'd be funny. I would almost forgive this if that was the, the eventual payoff to this. Yeah, honestly, yes. Uh, he might be a bit <laughs> old by then. I don't know. Let's get, I don't know how long that will take. They'll, they'll fucking digiscan him and use his AI meat puppet clone. Sure, yeah. They'll, they'll put him in the tube that scans you. <laughs> they have that, right? That's the, the tube they put extras in. They'll start, they'll start yeah. doing that to actors soon, too. Exactly. Or not, they're all actors, you know what I mean? Leading actors. Uh-huh. Real actors is what you meant to say. <laughs> real actors. They'll start doing that to the real actors who actually deserve pay. Uh, <laughs> that's what I meant. Uh, please don't kill me, extras. Just just want to point out before we get fucking firebombed by SAG members that we didn't cover the, uh, the, the show during the strike, specifically in solidarity with you guys. Please don't kill us. Don't kill us. Don't kill us. Blades before babes. Uh... <laughs> Oh, I love Jack's interaction with Frey. It's so funny. Yes. Where Magnus is like, well, it could so- we could solve all these problems right now if he just took back the sword. Then he, like, turns Jack back into his sword form, and Jack just, like, unleashes this torrent of abuse on Frey. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really even understand the no-bro thing. What's happening there? This traitorous... No- I guess it just means that he's... They're not bros, because it was meant that, you know... The, the rule that he's referencing with Blades Before Babes is bros before hoes. Apparently that means that they weren't bros because Frey wanted to nail a 50-foot-tall giant hoe, which I'm sympathetic to. I am sympathetic, for sure. I, I, don't, I don't think he did anything wrong here. It's fine to, you know, give up your best friend for a girl. <laughs> I, 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 I am, I'm okay with it. 
Uh, Jacqueline, if you had to uh, put me in a boat at the bottom of the Boston River to have a uh, shot with uh, a giant lady, I would understand and I would forgive you. You would understand. On the other hand, Jack doesn't doesn't so much get it. Jack's not, Jack's the one who isn't a bro, I think. Yeah. <laughs> he he's he's literally like begging to be taken by search. <laughs> Uh, like he and also you know he should he should support his friend but he he has like the real like infidelity inside of it and not only Uh that but it's also predestined it's true like he he will in fact one day kill him and that that's not very bro-y of him at all on the other hand frey knew that would happen and did it anyway so it is kind of it's everyone's fault all of these people suck everyone's assholes here that's always the overarching takeaway from Norse mythology. Am I the asshole for uh, putting <laughs> my sword at the bottom of the sea uh, so that I could hook up with a giant girl? I I spoke Extra with him. Extra context. It'll be reclaimed by a fire giant and used to destroy the world in 5,000 years. Then every single person on Reddit is like, not the asshole. You're <laughs> uh, like... Y- uh, he's the asshole, etc., etc. I don't I don't know what Redditors would say post it to r slash relationships uh my <laughs> 7000 f boyfriend uh 8000 m uh has a, a sword that he has a uh, sword 10,000 i don't know how fucking old all these guys are uh i just assume that his girlfriend's her editor is she still around what happened to her that's a good question also my mirror is two posts down from this saying that his subs have unionized after uh hearth and blitz have left his service <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. I, I don't want to go on Norse Reddit. It seems like a, a bad place. <laughs> I, we, we avoid Percy Jackson Reddit as much as we can as it is. I, I think that Norse Reddit probably already exists, and it's one of the most racist places in the world. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. Uh, but that's, that's We get a surprisingly small glimpse of Frey. Honestly, I think that the place where we get Frey, I was expecting to get, to get Odin. Like when, Yeah, same. When Magnus wakes up, it's like, okay, he's going to talk to Odin now. So I was very surprised by it being his dad. I I was I was backstabbed and betrayed because I was hoping it'd be Loki. No, Nobody seems to like Loki by the end of this. Everybody is like, well, <clears throat> Loki tries to manipulate Magnus. His dastardly plan has failed. But I, I really think that the book has failed to communicate what part of Loki's plan was like the dastardly thing to get Ragnarok going. Because <laughs> it seems like everything he suggested was a reasonable course of action to prevent it. And there's no... The book hasn't given us a reason to think that he would want Ragnarok to happen. I don't really buy, like... Uh, I Maybe I've just fallen for the trick right like mm. i i hear loki say like you know i i i don't want this as much as you do i'm trying to change things uh you know i'll i'll eventually go into battle against you and you know ki- try and kill all of you but you know i'm just just doing what i have to do um maybe i'm just falling into his vicious you know silver tongue uh-huh. but i don't buy the whole like he's like manipulating you by making you do things by suggesting you do other things like reverse psychologying everyone it doesn't play in the i i think maybe what i'm hoping for is like we complicate this we go back to loki as like again the neutral sort of like chaotic guy Mm -hmm. 
don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I just, I think if this is the way that this is going, then it is like it has been poorly set up and is less interesting than the alternative of like Loki has his own agenda and is doing something else. It it really, I think, like it smacks of a lot of the same problem that um, PGO had with Hades, where like. Because from like in a, a very like Christian reading of this mythology, Hades is basically the devil. That like even though there there are like reasonable ways that you could complicate his relationship with the Olympians, you're just kind of expected to view him as evil. And I think Loki is in the same way, where just like oh well, Loki opposes Odin, who is the head of the gods, who is basically the Christian god if you think about it in a Christian perspective, which makes Loki the devil. So automatically, we should be viewing him with like a level of like suspicion and zero benefit of the doubt you can't yeah you can't back away from that aspect because there is there is no like modern conception of any of these mythologies that isn't like untouched by christianity right yeah, yeah. but norse mythology may be the most uh absolutely like that like considering like all the reports we have all all the major sources that people use to draw on it are like already colored by there are no like primary very few primary sources people are using in that sense the the major the major ones are all like translate by christian monks and shit yes um i i do think that this is actually this is i i agree that's of a hand with uh hades because hades he wasn't like uh it's not like he was the antagonist and it's not like he was ever uncomplicated right even in the Mm -hmm. first book he was evil but his evilness mostly came from him being sort of short-sighted and not listening to the kids. Um, yeah. And, uh-huh. He was... There, there was complications, but also he was Napoleon, Hitler, and Osama bin Laden. He was all of these things, yes. <laughs> um, and especially by the end, I think, of PJO, we got, like, the where we went where we eventually got to with hades which is that he is this you know, he's just like any other god basically and maybe mm. a bit better it did improve um, over time with loki i'm not sure how to i i hope that we get a similar trajectory for loki and i think that we've actually set off on a stronger foot because of like how good every single encounter with him was yeah definitely i wonder what's gonna happen this could be something in the final three chapters i wonder what's gonna happen with him and his relationship with uncle randolph Randolph has had so such so little presence in this book. It's really weird. It seems like he should be a major character, and it's he he seems like this is like a fucking Amos from Kane Chronicles. Like shows up, takes the kids to the house after their dad dies, and then just like dips for the rest of the series. Yes, and he's more sinister than Uncle Amos. Mm-hmm. Although Uncle Amos was kind of the villain of book one in the end. Kane uh, Chronicles spoilers, I guess. Uh, <laughs> But he, I, you know, if someone has skipped Arcane Chronicles coverage to get straight to the Magnus Chase stuff, I think it's safe to say that they don't give a fuck about spoilers. I guess that's fair. You know what? <laughs> that's probably fair on so many different levels. <laughs> um, but the thing that happens with Uncle, the thing that I could see happening with Uncle Randolph is, um, him sort of like reappearing in the next book because he's like the lost item finder guy that might be it yeah because they i assume the next book's going to be about them finding the hammer of thor mm-hmm. so maybe maybe that's it maybe that's it speaking of stuff that's going to be in the next book yeah uh annabeth content maybe annabeth I content so. tonight queen 
Annabeth content. <laughs> Annabeth content, please. Just to all, all five dollars for Annabeth content. Um, <laughs> how much was that book? How much was that book? Uh, Hammer Thor. Uh, it was like seven pounds. Seven pounds for Annabeth content, please, Queen. <laughs> um, no, I I was really expecting, um, like, as soon as the as soon as Frey mentions Annabeth, mm-hmm. my mind went to, oh shit, the person who who in disguise who uh, who Fenris Wolf smelled was Annabeth being invisible. Oh, that would have been really cool. Yeah, if she'd had the Yankee cap on, and she'd been like along for the ride the whole time. Uh, that that I I don't know if that would would have been like it would have been kind of out of nowhere I think um, it would have been a little for, bit out of nowhere but I was excited for it uh, I I hope that she becomes like a major character in the like that's just fun right that I that would be fun for, for I I don't have anything else to say other than like I want her to be a like a side character in the second book or something. My my instinctual distrust and hatred of cameos and crossovers is unfortunately overridden by the fact that I quite like Annabeth and I think it'd be cool to have her in the book. I am a bit sad that Axe isn't a character. Yeah, on the other hand, are we really losing much? We, he had like two lines. <laughs> no, I, I honestly think this is the better outcome. Like, Odin loves to disguise himself. This is an, mm-hmm. like as, you know, the lowliest among them. And as Axe, he, he was, you know, treated harshly by everyone everyone's like oh you let a half troll in here um mm-hmm. he, he he did the odin thing very well and in a way that was pretty surprising to me i even when x got up and was like odin wishes to intercede i thought it was going to be something where it was like oh of course only the half troll has the special connection with odin or something like that yeah i thought it was going to be like odin was puppeting him or something odin was puppeting him or like odin had like whispered in his ear i didn't expect him to literally be odin <laughs> <laughs> but I guess X isn't a name. That that is not a name. That's a, a stupid name for anything. It's it's a silly silly name that you should not name your characters or websites. Or and, child. Or child. <laughs> Keyblade might be fine, um, but probably not. Uh, and Gundam I, series maybe I haven't seen it. Um. Uh get a pretty good sonic show out of it this is nothing what the fuck are you we can, doing <laughs> i think this is a decent bit you can put it in someone's name scramble the words around you get a nobody um <laughs> you can come on it's like three more we just need like three more um we can you can use it for an extreme reboot so when we go off the air for 10 years and then come back to finally do uh, trials of apollo we can be on wise girls x uh, if you're like Speed Racer's long lost brother, you can be you know Racer X. That's pretty good. That that makes you probably the cooler the coolest character in that show. Uh, one more. And it's exciting that you listen to us, listeners. <laughs> it makes us extra happy. It yeah, it's it, it's extremely good of you that you do that. Did we shift our concept of that bit halfway through to things that? Of, that are just called X instead of I, things that are called X and are bad. I think we very transparently lost lost track of what we were doing halfway through that. Well, Which, well you know what we need? We need uh, some informational seminars on how to organize our lives more effectively. And who better to give them than X himself? I have a feeling that this is... Is this Jane's time to go off? <laughs> I mean, not, not particularly. I, the 
the the the presentation themselves are very funny. I just don't I don't like that Odin is back in a broader sense because I really liked the idea that we had earlier in this book that like yeah the gods have just fucked off. They realize that like everything is about to hit the fan and they've just like abandoned their duties and left and we are kind of left to try and pick up the pieces in the wake of that. I think that's just a much a much cooler idea than Odin showing up at the end to not quite bail them out but be like okay I'm here to like direct everything that's going on and give you all some proper context. Yeah, he's 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 Hoover now. He's the yeah, he's the director of the FBI. <laughs> he's 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 Charlie and and the seven heroes are his angels. Uh, I I feel like you're getting a lot of CIA stuff just out of just because he tells Sam that her job now is to be like his fucking no questions asked bagman. Yes, that, I certainly <laughs> am. And I again, I like this trajectory for Sam's character because it, it's exactly the kind of shit that she would fall into because mm-hmm. she she wants to prove herself to the establishment. She wants to, you know, uh, risk her life and limb to, to to do that. She cares a lot about structure and, you know, like rank and all that stuff. Of course, she would fall in with Odin as soon as he asked her to. I I just I desperately need Loki to show up in the last few chapters and point this out to Magnus to be like, uh, you know, you you're believing all the shit he's saying about me. He's obviously manipulating you as well. We are about as bad as each other. Yeah, that would be good. Um Where where the fuck did Odin go away? He had to stand in a line for six hours six days in a blizzard to get a smartphone. I don't Was know. Was this a thing that happened? Is this a reference to a contemporary news story? This seems like a reference to like, you know, like when you uh, like have shoppers stay out all night before like Black Friday or whatever. Yeah. So they're first in line. I feel like it's that kind of thing. I've never heard of six days before. Maybe he like he just like trekked through like, I don't know, the the, the tundras of Russia to like go to a smartphone factory and steal the first edition <laughs> copy of one. I mean, actually, I guess, I guess what it might be is that, uh, you know, he's he travels around as like an old homeless guy who's broke as shit. Uh, so maybe he just had to sit outside the shop for six days until he collected enough change to buy a phone. That also oh, is this possible. Is, this is another one for for uh, the list, by the way. Uh, person who like, oh, you know, I'm kind of disadvantaged and vulnerable and homeless, but also I have this uh, spectacular home that I could go back to whenever I wanted. I mean, it's Odin. We can't. We, it is it, Odin. He's the archetypal version of that. Yes, it. It's kind of like he's kind of the version of it that works. It. It's interesting. What's happening here is a little bit of the classic Odin story of like, if you treat the traveler well, then he will, you know, reward you. If mm. you treat him poorly, he will punish you. Um, and his whole thing here is that he's rewarding everyone, quote unquote. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he he gives Blitz the you know the what whatever seal of approval. He he yeah. d- gives Hearthstone a fucking seminar. Um, <laughs> he's gonna give him a one on one tutorial on runic magic and a signed copy of his book. Um, and he he makes the he makes these seven the world's specialist heroes. Mm-hmm. The the heroes of Asgard, as it were. Uh fuck's sake. I I don't mind this especially with like the bit where uh Magnus is like doused with fire but is able to like be immune to it while thinking about uh his, his mum who's dead and he misses being just like the most Leo coded shit he's done. The the parallels maybe, are getting worrying. And maybe that's why I love that part so much. Because mm. first of all, I like that he 
well, I, I think the actual, it's a pretty simple reason why I like that. It's a direct demonstration of Magnus letting, like, the battle and violence wash off of him. Yeah, and, that's good. And uh, redirecting it into the, you know, the healing and that all that. Um, but you're right that it is also directly a Leo thing. <laughs> uh, that is that is everything Leo ever does. <laughs> I, I, I don't mind Odin coming back in as much as you do because I doubt he's going to stay... He's either going to be a major presence and be a nuisance, or he's going to be in the background. Uh, I think, like he'll, you know, he'll show up once and give them a quest, mm-hmm. and then they'll have to do it with no help. But you're right that we we have seen the odds in this book, but like Thor is a wanderer who watches TV all day. Yeah. Uh, Loki is there, but the gods fuck themselves, and so he's tied to a a bench forever but and so that's part of the you know part of the reason that none of them they're all scattered about is because they do it to themselves yeah i mamiya has like fucked off and is like running pachinko scams so i i uh-huh. i get what you mean i think i just mean in like a broader world buildy sense i don't like the sense of order that odin being back in the picture means i i i get that i hope that i hope that he causes more disorder in the end yeah. I, or, but what this whole ending seems to represent is them shifting to a more ordered structure. You're right. Like this is Odin assembling his task force, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously that's going to be questioned. It's gonna it could crumble. Some something's probably gonna happen with that task force. But now we have Amanda Waller in the Suicide Squad a little bit. <laughs> Ag- we have again, Task Force X. Yeah, yeah. Task I think we, Force. Wait, I think we made this exact joke a couple of weeks we, ago. We but. did. We were like pre. We were presaging something. We were. We were. <laughs> we, we got a premonition. We understood the truth of of X. It's true. We you know, have... even if we'd never, we'd never met X properly, we'd acclimatized to him. We felt like we knew him from all that that time. I'm stuck on the fray thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just think it's dumb. <laughs> I understand that. I understand. I do think we grew, we grew to we we grew acclimatized to X more than we did Frey for sure. Um, the composition of this team is interesting to me mm-hmm. because we've got our main characters: Magnus, Sam, uh, Blitz, Hearthstone, and then we got the the three the three sort of rear runners: Mallory, uh, Halfborn, and TJ. What, what do you think of them also being part of this this in Harry Eye squad, as it were? I mean, I feel basically nothing about it right now. Like, I, I don't mind these characters, but I'm also not particularly attached to them. I guess it's uh-huh. good to like it's good to keep like the, the the squad fresh. You know, we've I think we've we've pretty um, solidly um, explored the like the found family dynamic for our main four. So I I definitely think like you know throwing in some other characters to maybe fuck with that and give it a little bit more uh, room for expansion or room to bounce off in different ways that's good versatility to have in terms of the actual characters themselves i feel nothing yeah no absolutely that that's sort of where i'm at it doesn't it doesn't land as especially like our heroes have been rewarded or anything like that because it's just <laughs> there's these three other guys who were there and they were doing you know in the story they were doing these valiant things but it's like okay it's these guys who cares <laughs> we have Mallory Keene, the world's most stereotypical character. Um, we have a TJ who is, you know, has civil war trauma and that's about it. And we have 
uh, Halfborn Gunderson, who is a doctor, a doc, a doctor of literature, I guess. <laughs> um, I, and I guess I understand it in the sense that I guess X was just their friend for a few, like a, a few months. You know what I mean? Yeah, he hadn't been there for very long, so I guess it doesn't fuck them up that badly. To just be like, oh my god, this person I thought I knew has disappeared. Well, I guess I mean it the other way. Odin was like, haha, I've grown attached to these kids. I guess they'll be part of my squad. Oh, I see. This is nepotism. It's nepotism, and I... I Do you think that he met them and then decided that they would be a special task force, or, like, scouted them and were like, these are the, these are the three I need? I, th- I definitely think it's more of a meeting them thing, where it's just like, these are the people, you know, these are the people who, like, uh, Sam... These are the people who Sam, like, ditches him with. And, like, they, they treated him okay and weren't shitty to him, so they also fall under the umbrella of, like, you know, they, they find this disadvantaged person and don't treat them like shit, so therefore they get rewarded. Yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah, it, it, it is that. That is what the big thing of it is. Um, you got three more chapters left. This, it, it, It's interesting. I think our structure sort of, um, is breaking down a little bit in the last few episodes. Listen, who can say if we've variously been, like, busy, sick, or had broken laptops for the, the past little while, and that maybe fucked us up a little bit with our organization? I guess what I really mean is, we we actually pretty solidly, early on we were worrying that six chapters was a bit too much. Sometimes it wasn't enough, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also sometimes it was, but we, we pretty consistently stuck to it. Um, and now we're at the end where we've got three chapters to cover for next episode we sort of started at the last chapter of of a big battle uh ended in what seemed like the beginning of the actual ending uh Mm -hmm. so but so sorry if that's a bit confusing i guess uh we but we're we'll see what happens next time we'll see what happens three chapters you know I'm sure we can we can find something else to fill time with. I think as we demonstrated with that extended hilarious bit about the letter X, we really know how to fill the air. Yeah, like you said before the episode, uh, we're going to riff and riff. All right, so not so sad. <laughs> this is uh, that's a joke only for us because that's not on the episode. Um... <laughs> it's fine. It's all content. My pick this week is Odin. Um, he he heard that you could now, uh, in certain states, put your gender marker instead of M or F as X and got really excited. And he put it in the wrong slot is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what about you? Uh, since you have been uh, so kind as not to pick them, I will take the slam dunk. I will take the hearth and blitz for, again, just, just literally being a fucking married couple in these chapters. I love them. Uh, yeah, they're very good characters. We might need to put a moratorium on always picking Hearth and Blitz for next book. <laughs> this is this is the problem we ran into with Nico a bit as well. Right? Yeah, so this this the the not cis het bit functioned. You know, I really I I don't think that Rick Ryan should be putting more diversity in his books because it makes wait a second the, <laughs> it makes the the uh, backflips that we have to do to make any of these make sense less funny. And for that for that reason alone, uh, I think Rick Ryden should go back to being more homophobic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know what, Jane? I disavow this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
But if you want to find out more about it, uh, you can le- know that our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OCRMX. Our cover art is by Vera at insmith underscore in on Twitter. If you want to go yell at us, you can find us on... Uh, <laughs> You can talk to our bosses at moonshotpods.com and tell them to eject us from the network. Uh, You can (laughs) just, you know, uh, moonshot. I think that's, I don't know what the email is. Send an email, say that on Wise Girls has been saying some very naughty things. Um, Or you can uh, go to goodfuckingpodcast.com, all sorts of amazing things there. You can yell at us personally on Twitter, Tumblr, co-host, uh probably instagram at this point i don't know uh, i have never touched instagram and i will not for the purposes of making an account for the show <laughs> the unwise girls tiktok <laughs> we, we do our little dances and such oh and on all those places except for the ones that don't exist you can find links to our personals you can find um links to our discord which you should join uh you can get episode updates and visual companions and stuff um you can also support us by leaving a five-star rating review on your podcast app of choice. You can tell a friend about us. We love that one. That one's awesome, especially that when they rules. actually listen afterwards. <laughs> um, and you can uh, support us monetarily by going to patreon.com slash unwisegirls and leaving us, you know, if you, even for just a dollar a month, you get the Discord role of Certified Chaser. For $3 a month, you get the Discord role of Mid Guardian, as well as all of our bonus content. Uh, we are just coming up on the end of uh, our watch through of season one of Iron Blooded Orphans on our bonus show, uh, and I think that we are doing like a re- really good analysis of a like generally pretty underrated and kind of divisive show on there. So you know, if you're interested in that, give it a listen. And for five dollars a month, you can get the Discord roll of Thor's Hammered, which will be you know especially primed uh, next book. So you know, uh, get the, <laughs> get those five dollars ready. Um, all of our bonus content and a special thank you at the end of every episode uh speaking of which this week we'd like to thank mint i love sammy's great danny tanner mercy brie and erica thank you everyone thank you and as we always say at the end of every single episode see you next week camp half blood see you next week camp half blood bye bye Need a new campaign idea for your tabletop role-playing game? Looking to improve your GMing skills or become a better player? Curious about exploring the origins of your favorite races, classes, and creatures? Then check out the Maniculum Podcast, where we show you how to use medieval history to your advantage. We're your hosts, Mac and Zoe, a professional medievalist and a AAA game developer, and together we use modern game design techniques to uncover the origins of your favorite tropes and adventures from medieval manuscripts. In each episode, we explore a new medieval manuscript, its connections to modern TTRPGs, and teach you how to adapt these tales into compelling campaigns and amazing adventures. Whether you're looking to recreate the noble Arthurian tales or incorporate weird and wacky medieval monsters into your campaign, the Maniculum Podcast has you covered. Listen to our fortnightly podcast for free on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcasting app now.